Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hi everybody, welcome to Scattered. We have a full house of Scattered ladies again this morning, which is lovely. And we are looking at the second study in 1 Timothy, which is chapter 1, verses 12 to 17 and the warning is I don't have my glasses so it's going to be a bit tricky um (laughs) so um last week we looked at the first part of this letter from Paul to Timothy and Paul was basically encouraging Timothy to stay where he was and contend um for the faith so there'd been some um false teaching in the church and timothy was really um paul was really explaining to timothy how important it is that we think the right things because that changes the way that we live um and so last week it was um uh explanation of that and how how we should use the law um and then this week we move into a more personal story from Paul to illustrate that and to explain um, God's grace in lots of ways. So, ladies, my first question would be, what, any suggestions for how you'd break up this section? One of the ways maybe you could do it is just looking, you know, it's the passage is bookended, bookended, isn't it? At the beginning, it's um, about Jesus. At the end, it's about Jesus and God. Um, And then the middle section, verses 13 and 16, it's talking about what he was like. So formally, he was sinful. And then verse 16, formally, he received mercy. And then this section in the middle, 14 and 15, is like, this is the current state of things. This is a current truth. I guess that's one way you could look at it. But I I think this is a short enough passage that you could look at it the whole... Yeah, I I, I had a similar breakdown but what was interesting was like the first verses 12 to 14 a more of a statement like why was Paul interested with the gospel because it was like a specific section in terms of what God has done and what Jesus has done for him and then um, 15 as Paul's experience and 16 as a pattern for us so his mercy the fact that he's received mercy um, is also open to others and then 17 as the other bookend was Paul's praise of God okay so there's some consensus there that um there's there's bookends in this chapter and the first and the last verses are a little bit different to the rest what how, so Helen summarized those as talking about Jesus um how else would we could we summarize those two bookends and what Paul's doing so I think these bookends are kind of praise of God and praise of Jesus and um, through the Holy Spirit what he's done. I guess essentially this section is kind of Paul's testimony, isn't it, of of what God's done in his life. So I think these bookends are important because it's the emphasis is on this is who God is and from his nature this is who I am like this is what he's done in my life and therefore like this is my testimony so like bookending your testimony with who God is is really important isn't it because yeah it's not really about us like the the word mercy is repeated in this passage um a couple of times and I think that's the overarch like God is merciful God is 
amazing. He's he's gracious. He appointed me. He judged me. Fate. You know, it's all about God. And then in the light of that, that's what he's done in me and that's who I am. So I think the bookends kind of highlight that. Another point on those lines was that um, at the beginning when he's giving thanks to Christ, he's also um, praising him for what he has done in Paul's life um, because God has been exceedingly abundant in his mercy and grace and his faith and love. And then at the end, Paul's praise is like just, wow, glory and honor and be to him forever and ever. And it's just great because it's like, it's almost like him telling his testimony gives him even more heart for praise for God um, and for who he is. Yeah, I was just struck a little bit by last week we said it's encouraging reading this letter to Timothy, isn't it? Because Timothy isn't. Timothy's very different to Paul in his character. And yet this is so encouraging, isn't it? That Paul sees that the strength that he has is a gift. And so actually all the character traits that enable Paul to be the apostle that he was, he's not saying, get me, I'm great, but he's very quick to assign that, isn't he? To God, who's the one that's gifted him and given him the strength that he needs. Um, Yeah, so I just thought that's helpful, isn't it? If God has gifted us in, in different ways, the, the more aware we are that those are gifts from his hand it humbles us doesn't it rather than makes us think get me with my brilliant art skills or my brilliant um language skills yeah I love I love that um he says that he counted me faithful and and then that leads to putting me into the ministry because faithful faithfulness isn't dependent on our intellects on our um what position we have um it's it's applicable to everyone whatever you're doing whatever stage of life you're in faithfulness is holding on to the faith um remaining loyal to him and so yeah it's just really i found that really encouraging that that's what he's um holding on to as really key thing um yeah, that counted me faithful a bit. I was a bit like, you know, does that mean that God counted him faithful before he saved him? But actually, I think when he, I think when Paul is saying that God judged him faithful, it's, he was like, it's almost like God could see what Paul would become when he saved him. Um, and therefore, it's almost like, a, isn't that amazing of God that he can see our potential even um even when we're kind of a complete mess like he doesn't just focus on what we are now but what we can be yeah and almost I think as well there's a sense in which God has created us hasn't he uniquely and given us and this is true of everybody isn't it whether they're believers or not God creates people and knits them together and gives them the gifts that they have and actually there's a freedom isn't there Mm -hmm. and a humility in acknowledging that and not pretending that God hasn't given us some gifts and thinking that's humble, but just acknowledging that they're gifts given by him um, and that he's been specific and purposeful in the way he's created us. Mm. Um, so the next few verses, I guess, are quite um, what we call a quite a clear testimony from Paul. What struck you about Paul's testimony, ladies? It seems that whatever Paul does, he does it passionately, right? So, you know, when he was a Jew, he was a very passionate 
do very kind of energetically um, persecuting Christians. And, you know, like he says in verse 13, I was a blasphemer, persecutor and insolent opponent. I mean, that's the ESV, but I quite enjoy that phrase. And I kind of think, but that that energy and passion with which he was against Jesus, he then flips to being for Jesus. Um, you know, when he, he becomes one of the most important people in the early church. And I just think, isn't that amazing? Like when we look at people in our lives who we we see are passionately against God and passionately against Jesus. And I, my prayer for them is always, you know, when you have an especially lively toddler or child, and I'm always like, I pray that with that energy with which they go at life, they will go for Jesus. And I just think, yeah, I love that about Paul. Like, he doesn't do things by heart, does he? Um, and God was, like, so merciful to him. Um, and he knows that. And therefore, he goes, like, a 100 for, for Jesus. Once he's with Jesus, he's, like, a 100 for Jesus. I found um, verse 13, the second half of verse 13, a bit of a warning, actually, there, where it says, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Um, you know, he... I guess since he's comparing himself a little bit, isn't he, to these false teachers that he's talked about earlier in the chapter. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about Jesus. I'd never really met him. Um, I was unaware and that invited mercy. And I, I guess the natural sort of thought process then goes is <clears throat> these false teachers did know Jesus. They knew the gospel and yet they still acted in this way. And it just and and did these awful things leading the church astray. And it just really made me sit up and go, okay, we we're Christians and we need to not that you can like lose salvation, but it just made me, I think, be more aware of my actions, be more aware of what I'm saying about God and Jesus as I talk to people about them. Um and ensuring that we're not acting that we don't know Jesus and yet we still intentionally act in a certain way or say certain yeah. things. I guess the big thing that struck me was just the whole mercy and grace, like um, massive overtone in this, that it's all about God's initiative, isn't it? And God's movement towards Paul and how dependent he was on that to move him from that place of ignorant unbelief to be able to channel all that energy towards Jesus and what a, yeah, how much mercy and grace God had to be able to redirect that. Um, it's really encouraging, isn't it? When we think about, yeah, like Mary was saying, the most anti-people that we know. This passage is amazing, isn't it, for speaking against workspace righteousness. You know, I, I'd never really seen that very well before. But um, I read something that said that... Um, Paul basically is saying Jesus did the enabling and Paul is trusted with the gospel because of what God did in him, not because of what he did. Yeah, I think along those lines, I think it's just beautiful. The description that Paul gives us of um, the grace of the Lord, of our Lord, which is exceedingly abundant. You know, it goes in contrast to when we think of God as one that is um, one that judges here it's actually showing what actually flows more and what he has more of is grace. And I guess that leads us into verse 15, which the commentators seem to think was part of a, 
um, old hymn that was maybe sung in the early church. I guess it was a new hymn back then. Um, this is a trustworthy saying and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Um, I guess that the summary of that would be that Christianity is a rescue religion and God's in the business of, through his abounding mercy and grace, is in the business of rescuing people. Um, would you agree, ladies, that that's the centre of the gospel and the centre of Christianity? And do you think we're good at keeping that at the centre or do you think we're, we, we're often quick to move on from the rescue part of our faith? Yeah, I'm definitely quick to move on from the kind of place of feeling in need of rescuing. I feel like um, the pride of... I'm doing really well this week. I've, you know, read the Bible every day and, you know, I've done these good things. And and I guess the opposite as well, the weeks when I feel um, oh, I'm rubbish and I've done nothing good this week and I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy of the work here and stuff like that. You flip-flop, don't you? It's not just feeling really proud about being amazing and, you know, being holy in a kind of worksy way, but it's also the opposite when we kind of feel despair um, at how badly we're doing. And both of those, I think, are a sign that we are not in a good place of recognizing, yeah, our status of being rescued. Like, I really like um, when Paul says, you know, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Like he's not saying he is the worst sinner ever. Um, you know, he's not kind of carefully calculated that. He's just aware of his position um, in light of God's mercy and in need of being rescuing. And I think that's helpful. Like we can almost boast of God's mercy through seeing how helpless we are and how much in need of a saviour we are. Yeah, I think it's really easy to move away from that because we want to depend on ourselves because that's the whole, it's who is God. Where I think we often on a daily basis have to fight that battle that of putting God in his place and us being dependent on him. And I guess that's the thing that when Paul says he's counted as faithful, he's making a decision to uh, recognize that Christ is saving him every day. And um, yeah, just as we make that first decision, it's almost like a constant process. And even he is saying this through his letters and um, yeah, it's an encouragement to us to keep saying that every day. Any suggestions of how we we and people listening can help keep that rescue at the centre of our hearts and at the centre of how we think about um, our Christianity? I was just thinking about that. I was thinking almost I just need to have verse 15 written on a piece of paper and stuck somewhere I can see it every day. <laughs> Like that I'm reading that every day because the easy thing to say is preach the gospel to yourself every day. Well, that's true. But if you're not reading God's word and not, you you'll um, it's easy for it to become warped in your mind, isn't it? And I was just thinking, actually, verse 15 is so helpful for keeping us on track. 
And I, I think coming to the Bible and praying is like an act of knowing that you are in need of a savior because it's almost like someone someone's used the word is like like we've got a cancer and the bible and prayer is chemotherapy and we need to take it every day because yeah we just need the rescue every day and so it's like almost a helpful judge of like how you're doing as well as maybe if you aren't reading the bible as often as you should or you're not praying as much it's maybe a sign that you're falling into either I'm doing okay now or I'm unworthy. And yeah, it's a, it's a helpful tool, but it's also what we need to save us. Yeah. I, that, that, the sort of last part of that verse about who am I'm the worst. I was really struck by how helpful that is in that sort of fight that lots, most women I know <laughs> struggle with about comparison mm. and that actually who we are before God is what's important. And he sees the depths of our hearts, doesn't he? And I think when we when we acknowledge that and when we see that um, and the contrast between our hearts and God's um, holiness and God's mercy, there's a sense in which we are freed from that constant comparing ourselves to others, aren't we? Because we we know that before God, he loves us so much that he rescued us and yet um, our need is so great did you say when us women compare do you think men are just as bad yes, yes absolutely I think you don't admit it it's a very uh <laughs> feminine trait isn't it comparison yeah but when you but uh I think I think my husband for example would very happily say that he spends a lot of his time thinking he's better than everyone else and isn't that comparison <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think men are just as um, uh, I'm bad looking at, at very pointedly here. <laughs> no, no, I was just saying, I think in general, men get awfully when it comes to things like comparison and things like that. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about how actually, you know, women are, are so, in history, are so kind of, people are like, oh, women are so emotional. I think men are very emotional, but... I think not enough attention is given to that. So yeah, let's let's equalize this and just say men and women struggle with comparison. Corrected on the podcast. My my kids listened to last week's episode last night and they loved the fact that I was corrected by all of you. They were like, Yeah, mum, you got it wrong. Um isn't it good that this book of the Bible is for all, everybody, and it's just as helpful for comparison. Um for men and <laughs> I absolutely think that um Christianity is a rescue religion and we need rescuing from our sin but I guess given that um three out of the four of us don't work in the UK and uh, and the gospel speaks to people in different ways <clears throat> you know it's it is a rescuing religion but I would say it's also a restoration religion like it's a, it's a, um, people are moved from a place of dishonor to a place of honor. Um, people are moved from a position of disempowerment, slaves to their sin, to a position of power where that, that has no hold over them anymore. So I do think it is, I think primarily a rescue religion, but I think it is lots of other things as well. And I think depending on which 
And that's the beauty of the gospel, isn't it? No matter what culture you come from and what your background is, it will speak to you. Verse 15 is a really helpful reminder of Paul's need for rescue. But then in verse 16, we see a really hopeful section about the purpose of that rescue. What struck you about this, ladies? Yeah, I love that the pattern for what is going on for us as believers is Paul outlines using his own testimony and that the mercy that he had from Jesus is also available to all of us and a pattern for all of us who believe in him for everlasting life. Um, but what I, what I love even more is that he's, he used Jesus Christ might show all long suffering, or I think in other versions, it's perfect patience. And it's another beautiful characteristic of God being so patient with us, so long suffering with our sin. And yeah, it's just, yeah, great <laughs> that he still longs to show mercy for us. And I, I love that as well, it says, doesn't he, that um, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. That concept of he's using me as an example. And actually, hasn't he used him as an example? Like we, you know, there are people even today, 2000 years later, who are becoming Christians because of Paul's testimony, because of his words that he's written. I just think that's so... Yeah, it's and Paul could never have foreseen that. You know, we don't know whether he meant people 2,000 years later or whether he meant people within Rome or wherever, but his example is immortal. Like, like Jesus has used him as an example. I just found it so encouraging that our testimonies can bring other people to Christ, that God can use us as examples to bring people to Christ. I found that so helpful um, as I was thinking about this. And it's just encouraging, isn't it, that anyone listening to this, like there's nothing really that is too much for Jesus. Like it's, it's almost like, yeah, if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, but I've done this terrible thing or I'm too far gone or, you know, yes, God had mercy on me, but I've done this now. Like, I just feel like, but give him a chance to show his perfect patience with you. Like he wants to show his patience to you, towards you and his mercy and his love. So just allow that mercy to wash over you. Like it's abundant, it's overflowing. Just allow that and he will show you how much he loves you. Um, I just hope that people listening to this can really feel that. Like I, I remember I heard in a sermon once something, someone saying, you can never be too bad for God, but you can be too good. And in um, the Bible, you see, don't you, that Jesus has a lot of patience for the people who recognize they are horrendous sinners, but he doesn't have a lot of time for people who are like, well, I'm good. Um, you know, aren't I going to make it? Um, and so, yeah, that's, that mercy is for people who recognize their badness. There is nothing so bad. You know, there is no pit so deep that Jesus cannot reach you. Yeah, that's so helpful, isn't it? I, I just thought it might be helpful to um, end today by almost this model that Paul's laid out for us of what I was, how Jesus delivered me and 
um, how that's worked out in my life now might be helpful for us to just share um, a little testimony of our own story. So um, keeping it brief, ladies, I, I guess my the place my heart landed on this was actually there was enough grace for me as somebody that had trained herself to be really good. And, you know, I remember when I was in my first year at uni, just I'd everything up to that point in my life had been me working hard to be enough and to be good enough and to get good results. And um, I guess the I was working hard for the to extol my own name. And Jesus really broke into that and just showed me what a waste of time and effort that was and how I could never be enough. And my name was never designed to be the one that was going to be honoured. And Jill, not jump then, but, you know, Jill... I guess I was broken in seeing that what a pointless exercise it was to work hard for my own reputation. And yeah, God brought me out of that. But I guess through other um, Christians that were living for a different kingdom, but then like what Juliet said earlier is so my experience that I this that cancer is still fighting in my body. And I'm more like Helen's husband than I would care to admit. And so it does need a really regular reminder to my heart that I'm not wise. I don't know what's best. Um, and God's word speaks uh, a wiser, truer reality than the one that I am still tempted to go back to, which is my own narrative. So, yeah, that would be the I think that's been the deliverance in my life and the rescue in my life from myself because, and that's the ongoing fight to um, trust and to work for Jesus's name, to be honoured, rather than my own. What about you, ladies? Mary? Yeah, my I think my story was quite similar in the sense of I grew up thinking I was a Christian and thinking I could do it all. And, you know, I used to go to Christian Bible camps and come out of those being like, you know, I'm sure the gospel was preached there, but what I heard was, read your Bible, pray, and be good. Um, and so that's what I did. But I always had this low-level guilt of, like, I'm not doing this good enough. Um, I, am, I am not good enough. Um, but I could very much appear to be good. And I think people around me thought I was a good Christian girl. Um, but then it wasn't until I was older and I was definitely lead, leading a kind of double life in that sense, kind of appearing this good Christian but not being it truly. Um, that I was brought to Romans 5, 8, which talks about while we were still sinners, Christ died for, for us. And that really kind of, yeah, like you say, broke into my um, kind of self-righteousness and it took away that kind of sense. Of, oh, hang on. You know, Jesus died for sinners. He didn't die for people who thought they could make it by themselves. He died for us right at ground zero. Um, so, yeah, that really really slowly I mean my life took quite a while to really change but I started slowly making decisions that were in line with what I believed I think it's really important in this passage it, when he says the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners I think we need to find those foundations of truth in our lives don't we and then base everything on that and I think until you find what's really true in your life it really will, like you really will willow and wallow around. And so it's really important, isn't it, that we that we base our lives on what's true. And that definitely 
uh, was a life changer for me. Slow but sure. <laughs> How about you, Juliet? Yeah, so um, I was brought up initially with a lot of um, different spiritual input and actually I was quite fearful of spirits and um, we had a variety of different spirits that my mum believed in and um, that she introduced us to and so I was very fearful and when I came in contact with the gospel I was like okay this is like the greatest spirit I need to appease and I need to be really fearful of God <laughs> because you have to fear God, right? That's what it says. But my fear was misdirected. And um, yeah, when I finally realized that actually he sets us free from our fears and free to um, be loved and to love him, then um, that just changed, yeah, everything. And <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, now in my walk, I also need to be aware of this, trying to, am I just trying to do the right thing because I'm scared or am I actually doing it in a place of freedom and a place where, um, yeah, I can just love God and love to obey him? Um, for me, I uh, became a Christian in my early 20s at university, I think uh, when I look back, I can see God working in me, his spirit working in me from quite a young age. I think I acknowledged his existence at quite a young age, but just wasn't very interested in um, what that meant. I was start going to a church. I was invited by a friend to a church uh, when I was in secondary school in sixth form. And um I think I would have considered myself a Christian because I didn't drink, I didn't sleep around, I didn't do anything else naughty like a lot of people. Um, and then I went to university and I basically didn't go to church. I thought I was enough. I thought I was good enough. A belief in God was enough. Um, I'd be all right because I'm not a bad person. <laughs> uh, and, but um, his spirit was working in my heart throughout the first couple of years of university and um he was piquing my conscience i think i would have said that i was very happy i was very active in sport and doing well on my course and things but his spirit really my heart wasn't settled my heart wasn't right um, and uh, yeah, he was really working in me and speaking to me and saying, you know, this isn't the life I want for you. You know that on the outside, you're doing very well, but actually this isn't the life that I want for you. I want something different. Um, and so, yeah, I started um, attending a, a different church and I think uh, I started attending a church <clears throat> and um, my life, it took a while to take a year or so, but my life, he really changed my life. I think um the day to day the day to day is just a reminder that um sometimes the things i want to do or want to say are not always what is most glorifying to god and so the day to day question for me is what is most god glorifying like i can still feel his spirit in me asking me that question what is going to glorify me most today it's probably not what you want to sit and do, which generally is like sit and stare at my phone or avoid difficult things.
but yeah I can on the day-to-day I can still feel him saying what what is it that's going to glorify me what is it that I want for your life today Thanks, ladies. It's so encouraging, isn't it, to see Paul's testimony, but also to see in all our different circumstances and situations that he's still his abundant mercy and grace is still at work. Um, yeah, um, really great to chat. Really great to see um that worked example in Paul and God's work in our lives too. So hope everybody has a lovely week, and we'll see you next week for more One Timothy. Bye. 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 Bye.